0: Thank you, Gary and Gina. Now what, teach me, Gary, what genre would that be? It's gospel music. Gospel music. That's, that's the kind you've got to tap your toe with or something. All right. Well, Lord's Supper, just a short passage of Scripture, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. The sermon is entitled, Forgetting and Remembering. Have you... <laughs> I hate to admit this, but the older I get, I'm forgetting more and remembering less. And I forget the things I want to remember and remember the things I want to forget. It's all twisted. It gets worse, yeah. (laughs) That's not very encouraging, okay. Philippians 3, 13. Says this, brethren, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward or high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Bow with me. God, I thank you for the things that we can forget because of what Jesus did and for the things that we can remember now because of who you are and what you have in store for us. And so help us find forgiveness here because if you remember our sins no more, then we need not drag them around either. And if you promised us a mansion over the hilltop then there is something to look forward to. And so we trust you because we know you love us and you provide for us in Jesus' name, amen. A lot of folks enjoy remembering the past. Have you seen those those few people who can remember literally everything? It's amazing, you can give them a date 20 years ago and they can tell you what day of the week it was and what happened on that date and where they were and what they were doing. It is phenomenal. And I guess when we remember our past, some of it's good because it determines who we are, our experiences and and all the things that led up to it, that we are the sum total of our events. What has happened to us in the past has gone into making us who we are today, what we are today, and I mention that a lot at weddings uh, because the bride and the groom are standing before us and they have their families on each side around them. And their families and their past and their experiences are good because that is what has gone into making that bride and groom who they are and willing to come together and unite as one. As a congregation, we also remember the past. We remember, especially in this beautiful chapel that, that Ron referred to, our church is past passed and a hundred years since this, this chapel, what about 100 and, what 110 years ago, 1906, the thousands of people who've come through these doors and sat in these pews and walked down this aisle and passed through this baptistry that's underneath the platform and went out to serve the Lord. That's something to celebrate and remember. And, and oh my goodness, we've lost some spiritual giants from our church and I wonder who will step up and take their place. Yet there's so much about our past that should be forgotten because we have mistakes from daily living. We've shed tears and we've caused other people to shed tears and as much as I enjoy recalling past triumphs and and victories, I'm also dogged by failures. So to make a list of those things that I should have done but did not do, it's too late to do now would be too painful. And to make a list of things that I would ought not have done, but did anyway, and can't be undone, would be even more painful. I guess those are the sins of commission and the sins of omission. The things that you did you shouldn't have done and the things that you should have done that you didn't do, and both those are sins and cause pain as we remember them. But to focus on the past and those mistakes, just wraps us up in anguish and remorse. And so Paul gives us a good verse here in Philippians 3. And can you imagine as he wrote this what he must have been thinking about in his own past? Can you imagine what he could have dragged around with him holding the coats of those who stoned Stephen, persecuting Christians, thinking that he was doing the right thing and he was sincere, and yet it was so wrong and how if he had let that, that could have controlled him the rest of his life. But he says, forgetting what lies behind, because he knew that when Jesus died on the cross, his sins were forgiven and our past is covered up. To make those sins unforgettable, God has to come around us and wrap his arms around us. And he has to tell us over and over again, your sins are forgiven. Look what Jesus did. And from such grace, we find the peace that enables us to forget. It enables us to forget and begin anew. And so here at this Lord's table, as we take the bread and cup, we remember some things but there are also some things we need to forget. We need to remember that our past is forgiven. That atonement for sins Jesus made for us, it comes from him freeing us from the shackles of the past and empowering us for the future. And so as we gather around this table and we take the the bread and the cup, it's like washing away the past and leaving it, behind us like an old coat at the door. But when we forget, we also need then to fill our hearts and minds with something new, and that's the second direction of Paul's words, straining forward to what lies ahead. Have you seen those runners who are uh, they're in it like a, a, some kind of sprint and when they get towards the the finish line, they will look behind them or to the left or right. And in doing so, they break their stride and someone who was close will overtake them and beat them. That's what Paul is saying here. Don't look to the left or the right or worry about what's behind you, but just look to the finish line and strain forward to it, to what lies ahead. God doesn't want us to use our energies in anguish or remorse. I mean, Satan could do that to us if we let him. You are no good. You are a sinner. Look what you have done in the past. That will be with you the rest of your life. Satan could keep those, those memories and conjure those, those painful times up in our minds over and over again. But God says your past has been forgiven and forgotten as far as the East is from the West. That is how far I have removed your transgressions from you. We have a clean slate and we have a whole new future full of possibilities ahead of us. And we're able to be who God created us to be for the first time because God's future for us is not filled with failures or mistakes. And when you think that that failure and that mistake is lying ahead of you and that it is always before you, then where is God in that? You have removed him completely, but he said that he's gonna be there and he's gonna pull you forward. A student may have failed in one class in school and the word gets passed around in the teacher's lounge that this student is a failure. And soon that self-fulfilling prophecy takes shape and from one class to the to next, that student does poorly because failure begets failure. And, and teachers, I know, talk about that. But then one teacher sees and figures out what the student's problem is and, and cares for that student and, and helps him overcome maybe some weaknesses. And a new future is set in place. And that future of completing and succeeding and teachers begin talking about that and, all of a sudden this student who was a failure becomes a success, once again self-fulfilling. And so it is with God. We, who were nobodies without Jesus, suddenly became somebodies in him, and the word got passed around. Murphy's Law declares if anything can go wrong, it will. And you've known that in your own life at times. And many of us live by that law of self-understanding. We think that all We can do is fail. All we do is quit. And all we can accomplish will be unacceptable. But the gospel tells us that we have the the possibility to be who God created us to be. And in the end, he gives us eternal life. I've been called on to conduct that graveside service I mentioned tomorrow afternoon. And when I conduct a funeral, I'll be honest with you. If I'm not careful, I can become depressed because they weigh on me. The reality of life beyond death, though, and the truth of life with God is so substantial and so overpowering that that depression soon fades, and I can be uplifted, because when we're standing around a grave, it can become a place of hope. Life eternal is more than just arriving at a final destination with a mansion on a hilltop. It is a quality of living that is available for us every day at all times. The reality of life in Jesus is so powerful that we don't have to be depressed, but we can be hopeful and excited and live abundantly because of what Jesus did for us. You know, when you go over to someone's house, and sit down and have a delicious meal, there are two ways you can show appreciation. One way is to tell your host and hostess how much you appreciate the effort and how delicious the food is and just enjoy it fully. But there's also another way. And that is just to to truly enjoy the table that has been set before you. Because that table, when that hostess or host invites you over, that table becomes an extension of themselves. And I've noticed at this church how every detail is tended to. They don't just slap a plate down in front of you, but there are decorations and flowers and and, and all the accoutrements that go along with a well-timed meal. Maybe there are two ways to honor God here tonight as well. We can come to church and we can thank him and offer him our praise as well we ought because there is grace and forgiveness in abundance here. But there's also the partaking of this table which is set before us because the host that prepared it did so with great thought and time and sacrifice. We remember the past for its lessons, finding forgiveness for mistakes and straining forward to what God has in store for us in the future. So as we gather around this table, let's enjoy it to the fullest, which is what our host intends for us. And to do so is to honor him and to bring him joy. And as you receive the bread and cup, do so accepting Christ's forgiveness for the past and leaving that ugliness behind and look forward with hope to the future knowing that you are of use to God because he offers all that and so much more to us here around his table that he has set for you. Bow with me. Father, as we come now to make preparation to receive this bread and this cup, never have we come to a meal that has been prepared for us with such love and sacrifice. And we've been to some good meals in the past, but nothing compares to what you've done for us here. And so, first of all, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, God, for doing for us through Jesus' death on the cross what could have never been done for us any other way. And then secondly, help us to enjoy this fully and appreciate what you've done by forgetting the past and leaving it behind us, even as you have done and accepting fully the future that you have intended for us. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open that door, I will come in and dine with him, and he with me. Jesus showed his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, dying for us. And he said, this do in remembrance of me. So as we gather now, we'll receive his grace, his forgiveness and his love. And remember that he died for us. Let us also be aware that we are now fully in his presence upon this holy occasion. Our Constitution and bylaws prescribes that anyone who is a professing Christian is welcome at this table because it belongs to the Lord, offered freely, a great sacrifice for you.